recording. We have to start recording because we always talk. We get to push the record button. All right. Uh, this is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. And with me is Kelly from... Boobies and Newbies. Hi, okay. hello. Hi. Hi, hi. <laughs> uh, as you know, uh, beginning of the episode, guests get to get, uh, get to dedicate it. So what would you like to dedicate the episode to? Person, place, or thing? Oh, my goodness. Well, I... I don't know if people have done this before because I am new to Minnesota, but I am going to dedicate this to California <laughs> because that's where I, I came from and okay. I'm I'm new in town, but I'm missing California, but I am loving it here so far. You said it right. It's Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we're back on uh, the St. Paul Filmcast. And this is actually interesting because it's one of the few times that we have two St. Paul residents on the show. Uh, welcome to Kelly, who's just moved here. And I'll bring it up because you're very open about it on all social media that you actually moved here from California very recently. So, And I have to say, this is the perfect Minnesota weather we're experiencing <gasps> right now. It's fantastic. Yes. I love it. I am not a hot weather person. I'm not a humid weather person. So the fact that I moved here in the middle of July, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it is cooling off, though. I love it. I just want to describe the perfect Minnesota summer day is partly sunny, mostly cloudy, and less than 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, that is that okay. Is it. That is, we enjoy that. Okay, and now <laughs> let me describe my perfect summer day because right. it's a little different. It's mostly cloudy, a little bit sunny, and a solid 64 degrees outside. Right, bring it down just a little, <laughs> right, just yeah. a little bit, yeah. There's only two gaps between air conditioning and the heater. Mm. Okay. Uh, so definitely um, what transpired is Kelly moving here. And then what we're going to talk about. Well, of course, we'll have to talk about a movie that's kind of supposed to be from Minnesota. It's one of your favorites. It's Yeah, it's definitely in like the top five. Really top five? Top five, for sure. <laughs> when is the last time you've seen it? You know, it was probably only a few months ago. I did think about rewatching it, yeah. and I probably will after we talk about <laughs> it <laughs> because it's one of those. Yeah. It's one of those. It's like whenever it's on TV, or it's it's just there's so much nostalgia for me attached to it that I just oh, I love it. I can watch it over and over again. So it was written by uh, a woman named Lona Williams. I think that's her name, Williams or Williamson. Sure. Williams. Okay. <laughs> She's from Minnesota. She actually uh, grew up in a city called Rosemont. There's a city called Rosemont. Okay. And then she reversed it to, say, Mount, Mount Rose. Rose. So there is a Rosemont in Minnesota. Okay. And I think when she was a kid, it was a very small town. It's not that small anymore. It's a big city. Okay. But yeah. And then I think all of her experiences growing up in the early 80s <laughs> of doing pageants in a small town, how it, it's regarded very serious and taken very serious. That, yeah. Uh, made a little fun of it. And you know, she makes an appearance in the movie. Does she really? She plays judge number three. Oh. Jane Kanga. 
with the glasses? <laughs> yes. Who looks frighteningly like, she's bothered. And she doesn't say a word in the whole movie, which as a screenwriter myself, I really admire. <laughs> right, right. And the thing I think is, uh, the technical thing is if you have a speaking line, you have to be paid. Your, right. Yeah. So if you don't get a speaking line, the speaking, you have to get a speaking line to get re- So there the you go. So, so if you don't say anything. Why wouldn't you be able to be in your own movie? Right. <laughs> now, my, my wife watches that, and she doesn't like me bringing it up, but she goes, the Hardware Store Brothers is her funniest bit, which is a little more outrageous now. I don't think you can yeah. get away with a lot more than they could now. Right. But yeah, the, the great freedom that they allow Will Sasso to do. <laughs> it's it's really good. I mean, it's this is for sure one of those movies that is like locked in a time capsule like you could not I don't think you could make this today in general no, like th- yeah it's one of those things that yeah if you try to recreate it it's right not work. it's just it's not PC whatsoever and I oh god but when you set that aside it's got like some of the best performances by actors especially actresses though that grew up to be really famous <laughs> that right. yeah it was just oh it was such a moment that I feel like not enough people know about um, at the time, I would have to say that when I was in college, the biggest headliner would probably be like Christy Alley. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kirsten was well known. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Denise Richard was just starting out. I think this is before she did like Wild Things and just after yeah. she did Starship Troopers. What so a she, great time. <laughs> I know. What late 90s is weird filming. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I actually was hesitant to watch it. <gasps> oh, no. I just because... My bias. I'm a guy, and it's like, oh, it's a, a mockumentary about pageantry. What am I right. going to enjoy out of it? But I laughed quite a bit about it. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, and I was wondering, like, you know, coming from California, this is a movie I grew up with, and I don't think a lot of people in California really have an idea of what life is like in Minnesota. And so when you see a movie like this, automatically, between this and Fargo... <laughs> Yeah, those become basically your references to the Midwest, and so I was like wondering, like, is this something that people who are from Minnesota appreciate and like can see the humor in, or is this like mocking? It's like too mocking for them that they just can't handle. Right, I'm not going to answer for every Minnesotan, <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, it is too much. Like, okay, oh, Hollywood's making fun of us, right? But I think there's a very established group a mm-hmm. large population of minnesotans who love to make fun of themselves okay that's we, what i hoped for yeah i mean we can laugh at how ridiculous Fargo oh yeah looks. we can laugh at how drop dead gorgeous looks. <laughs> <laughs> because in minnesota you you get a boat mm-hmm. you're gonna go fishing you get a dock and what you're gonna do is you're gonna take your boat and go to the cross the lake to the other guy who has a dock mm-hmm. <laughs> and a boat and he's gonna take his boat and go fishing across the lake to your dock yes so it's... <laughs> oh gosh yeah i mean I, yeah. the only thing i can think of to my own personal experience is like you when you do spend time in california there's you definitely learn to make well i hope you learn to make fun of yourselves like because there's there's very different regions where I'm from. Like I'm from Northern California and I've yeah. spent the last almost five years living and working in Southern California and they're different, completely different worlds. Yeah. And Northern California, we're like trained to like hate Los Angeles. 
And Los Angeles, I don't think, thinks outside of Los Angeles. So it doesn't really matter. No, it's almost like, I'm from New York. Oh, you're New York City. No, I'm from like upstate. (laughs) Oh, whatever. You're not a real New Yorker. (laughs) Yeah. I I did that mistake because somebody's like, I'm from New York. Oh, New York City. No, I'm upstate. (laughs) And then you give me that look like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, "Mm, sorry about that. It didn't work out. The cute thing is uh, about Minnesota is I've been down to southern Minnesota, which is almost like northern Iowa. It's just farm. Mm. It's all farming yeah. and small time stuff. And then I was stopped in. And this is when I did football referee. And then the coach, one of the coaches like, where are you from? And I was like, have you done any games in the city? And I was <laughs> like, well, I'm from the city. I'm from St. Paul. Oh, I thought you meant Mankato. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the city, you know, yeah, the, the infamous city. Yeah, the little, little city, Mankato. I thought you, I thought you were gonna say Mankato. Oh God, that's true. That's true in like every state too. Like the city is Chicago in Illinois, and like yeah. In, well, you've been to Chicago. Yeah. I did. I, I lived there for two years while I was in film school. Ew. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great city. So I feel like now being in like the Twin Cities kind of feels like a. a smaller more low-key version of that which i love like i love that st paul is like mini chicago yeah mini chicago fine by me which is what happened when a lot during probation with the gangsters when mm. he came on they just came here to st paul and hang out yeah yeah so because it, it was like mini mini chicago around here yeah and then they got this is a little sidetrack but then they got all the protection from the police from st paul Oh. We said, we won't bother you. Come in, just hang out. We won't bother you. But if you want to commit crime, <laughs> take the train and go to Minneapolis and do it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to rob a bank, don't do it here. Yeah. Just take the train and go to Minneapolis to do it. We too. won't say anything. <laughs> I like how that works out. <laughs> it, it, I'm not making it up. It is true. It's well documented. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, Drop Dead Gordon. When did the first time you seen it? Did you see it as a kid? I... I watched a lot of movies as a kid that I probably wasn't supposed to. What's the point of being a kid? <laughs> yeah, and I think it was because I, I generally I have to say this because I was I was a I was a kiss ass when I was a kid. Like I was a I was a good girl. But the one thing is I would fake being sick to like get out of school all the time and I would stay at home and watch movies and then God forbid when we got like a, a movie channel like stars or HBO or something like I watched that was the first time I watched fast times at Ridgemont high um that was the first time I watched Which is like surprisingly uh, directed by a woman Amy oh god so good yeah it's but um yeah it was it was a lot of it and so I want to say drop dead gorgeous was one of those ones that just popped up on TV one time and my mom of all people had said that she had seen it and was like oh it's really funny you'll love it go ahead and watch it. And I did. And I was probably like 10, 11. Yeah. And it was, I, I thought it was funny then. As I've gotten older, you un- you start to understand the jokes that, you know, you didn't understand when you were 10. <laughs> and uh, and it's gotten even funnier. I like that the success that is being made and established, nobody earns it mm. at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, which is a great gimmick of Minnesota, you know, <laughs> It just happens. It just happens. Or you just fall backwards into it. And then right, nothing is earned. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that being a a message. But but that is a very core community run. 
kind of Minnesota thing. Mm. Oh, he made the hockey team. Well, his dad's on the board of the school. Well, <laughs> Look how that worked out. That worked, yeah. So I think uh, the one of the things she's kind of making a sad tour for that's not really on everybody's radar worldwide is how it's very prominent around Minnesota that things are not necessarily earned around here. Mm, okay, good to know. Hey, you know what? That goes beyond Minnesota. So <laughs> that's a that's a sad but universal truth. Yeah. <laughs> now I was because the 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 team the girls are mm-hmm. phenomenal. Amy Adams. This is Amy Adams' first movie. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. But the guys are funny. I mean, even Denise Richards' dad, who plays yes. the closet alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> He's yeah. great. And then the the judges always kill me um, because, you know, you've got the one that's like a complete pervert there to like no credentials. Right? Yeah. These are people that have no credentials should be judging. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's a setup from the very beginning. Yeah. And of course, they have credentials. <laughs> so good. But um, yeah, this is I mean, the standouts to me are for sure. Amy Adams, um, Brittany Murphy, oh, R.I.P. Gem in the she was yeah. such a diamond. And then Ellen Barkin and um, Allison Janney, who Allison Janney has like, as I've been growing up and like I dabbled in acting and then kind of segued into more of the behind the camera work. She has been like a comedy icon for she's, me to look to. She's really remarkable that she can yes. maintain a sense of grounded Yeah, by projecting somebody completely different it, which is hard to it's do. amazing she, she doesn't really lose herself in a role she can keep no. some of herself but mm-hmm. she can do so many different things it's always different because you know yeah. you know those actors who they play the same part like you're like oh are they really acting or are they just being them- themselves and right. she you're right she's like so much of herself but she's also it's a different person every every character she plays right and she's not really the and I always think when you're writing, think about like a conscious character, mm-hmm. something, something like a character that kind of knows they're in a story. She's almost like that character. Like mm-hmm. she knows the stupidity that's going around. Yeah. yeah. And she embraces it. Right. She's not really <laughs> going to be, she's not the moral of it. But I would no. say there's some, and I've learned about that. I, I can't remember who brought, maybe Elmer Leonard brought up that has to put, make sure there's, you want to think there's a character who's almost realized they're in a story. Yeah. And had enough of, you know. And it's never the main character. No, you know, Commissioner Gordon would be somebody like that. Yeah. Like he knows he's yeah. in a story and he's got to go through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. But she is. She, yeah, she very much. And then Ellen Barkin, who I think is from Minnesota. Really? She, yes. Yeah. Uh. I think she grew, she grew up here. Um, and then she um, she did remarkable movies in the 80s. Mm. So this was kind of like her maybe maintaining. But there was a lot of times where she was headlining movies. She yeah. did a fantastic movie with uh, Al Pacino called See a Love, if you ever check it out. Ooh. Where um, some, she's almost bait somebody's killing her ex-boyfriends oh i love that and albertino's <laughs> using her as bait to kind the kind of killer but then they kind of get involved. this is like the true crime you, fantasy of yeah. my dreams you can catch <laughs> it is fantastic okay it's a murder it's mm-hmm. grossly murders but then albertino's using her bait to catch the killer but then they kind of romance <laughs> john goodman's in it oh okay so if you want to check it out is a typical overly done 80s movie. Fine. Fine. Yeah, and she looks fabulous in it. Oh yeah, she's gorgeous. She I remember seeing her a few years ago in um maybe it was more than a few years ago at this point, but she was in like the Ocean's 13 movie and 
she I mean she had to be in her 50s at that point and yeah. she is a fox like <laughs> tight dress gorgeous hair gorgeous I'm just like I I wish I looked like you at 29 <laughs> like this is she's incredible and she's she's got a uh, she's a little snarky Yes, love it. Love a lady with attitude. The, oh yes, mm. she's good. she's a little snarky even on Twitter too. Mm. It just just spills pours out. I love her. <laughs> I've always loved her. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about some other people um, because uh, this is heavily a lot of good actors that um, weren't famous then, but right. now kind of developed now. And you mentioned Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she did Junebug. Yeah. And we talked about actually that she, she was. Um, used as a casting person for the Batman Begins. She, yes, so you told me that. Oh. So if you buy the whole Batman Begins package and you see Batman doing the demo, you know they do demo mm-hmm. reels. Mm-hmm. You show them like in a brick alley. Yeah. That's how they did it. It's on a brick alley. And then Christian Bale put on a Batman suit that was available and he read lines <laughs> to Amy Adams off camera. God, she would have been so good in that too. Like I just, well, and she's one of those people that she's, pretty much amazing at whatever she does and I'm still marveling over the fact that she hasn't won an Oscar yet so right she's she's been nominated a million times series um sharp sharp objects objects, yeah she she took out something for that yeah she can do everything right she can play you know an introvert Mm -hmm. and then she could be Giselle Oh my, which is, I'm sorry, one of her best roles. And I love that movie. <laughs> love it. But she taught, she had to do an interview, I think it was like Entertainment Weekly, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was at the airport and this little girl came up to her and she pulled on her shirt. She goes, I know you are. Oh. And then she's like, and then she did her jello to tell, I'm in disguise. I'm having a good time. I'm oh. Totally and the little girl's like, yay. It's so precious. <laughs> so precious. See, now I love her even more. I, I love know. her even more just from that one anecdote. Oh gosh! Do you have do you have a copy of a uh, Giselle, one of the Enchanted? On DVD, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people that still buys DVDs. You really? I do. Yeah, you still make them. Yeah, okay. yeah, they're making them. <laughs> I mean, up until a few years ago, I still had VHSs because we had a shop in my parents' hometown that would sell them for like a dollar. And I just, every time I was home from school, there for a couple weeks for the holidays, I would go and buy VHSs. And sadly, I I cannot find a VHS player compatible with like my television anymore. Did you have the two VCR set where you can record from another VHS tape? (laughs) You know, I feel like at one point we must have. I think, yeah, we, we had that. We had the double VCR so you could record from another VHS tape. I to, to, definitely, speaking of Brittany Murphy, I definitely remember having a video, a VHS copy of Clueless that like I had clearly taped off of TV, but <laughs> but tried to like pause every time the commercials came on so then you wouldn't get the commercials in the recording, but it's it's so choppy. Like it'll just be them talking, and then all of a sudden they go to break, and then you come back, and they're like in the middle of the next the next part of the movie. That was my job as a kid. I was I was a kid throughout the whole eighties. Oh yeah. So my dad was like, "I'm gonna record this." And he gives me the long cord with the button of stop and record, and he's like, "Cut the commercials and do your job." Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. So that was me holding on to the stick. So okay, commercial stop. It was it was a time to be alive. Like it's 
I mean, I, I wasn't there for the 80s, but I was there for the 90s. And I'm a little sad for kids today that miss out on that. Well, it's because we didn't, I don't think we had, we had, we didn't have cable till later. So mm. late 80s, 88, 89. And then we didn't have a TV till like, so there was a window between 85 and 88. Okay. Where I became like aware of TV and really sitting down and having TV watch. But yeah, they would have like at night, they would have their, like, this is not, national tv but your local tv like mm-hmm. at midnight would have like friday the 13th oh and then God. they would like put a warning on there warning not for children <laughs> <laughs> um i stayed up until midnight so i could watch this thank you <laughs> i know it was a gimmick because every horror movie is made for teens right kids. no 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 adults getting traumatized by a horror movie right mm-hmm. so warning this is not for children and then they would put it on but i re- gosh i remember when tv went off the air that's how old I am. Yeah. Man, oh man. Yeah. And now it's it's really not I mean, I don't have like cable or basic television anymore. It's all the streaming. Yeah, everybody streams. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we can get up to. Yeah. Do you um so you still buy VHSs? Are they pretty cheap though? I mean DVDs. I you still buy yeah, DVDs. I Sorry. still buy D I wish I still bought VHSs. Um I, I do still buy DVDs. You know, I I feel like most of them you can get for like 10 bucks or less these days um but unless it's like something brand new but people still buy you know the the full seasons of tv shows on dvds and i think i think it's more as like a collector's like memorabilia um than it is like to maybe watch it a lot um i know that i was a big fan of the show friends and so i have all the seasons of friends on dvd and now that they've taken them off of netflix i'm kind of glad i do <laughs> have you ever watched the british version of friends called coupling i have I, in fact i actually have a season on dvd <laughs> that is that is friends but, it's a good one. Oh my gosh yes and they yes. they can get so much dirtier in the uk they can get i yeah, love they it can get a little more raunchy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back more with Drop Dead Gorgeous and, of course, with Kelly. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. And we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Come listen. We're a couple of sisters. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> is this the Muppets? Yep. I'm a mom. I'm a kid. <laughs> I'm a mom in San Diego with a bunch of kids. I'm single and alone because I'm an adult baby. Go ahead. Quick. She's in Hollywood. All right, she's listen awesome. to us. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Go. Give some seconds. (laughs) Life, love, and pubic hair, people. Come take a listen. See you later. Bye. Okay, we're back with Kelly uh, talking from Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um... (laughs) What are some, you know, if you want to just, and I don't want to throw it at you, but what are some of the other movies? Because I know you're, you do movies as mm-hmm. well. You've been involved mm-hmm. with movie making. Yeah. But you're also a writer, too. And what are some other movies that you like or get inspired? Or what's some of the things that catch you? I, I generally, in my own writing, I tend to write more romantic comedy or broad comedy. So I do love to watch comedy. However, I also love to watch everything else because I feel like I my own writing can be better informed by what else is out there. Yeah. So I, I love to try a little bit of everything. One of my favorite movies that I think is 
vastly underrated. And I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it also takes place in Minnesota. Okay. Is Jennifer's Body. <laughs> well, um, Diablo. Diablo yes. Cody. Yeah, yeah. She wrote that. Love it. I think it's super underrated. I think it's a really interesting dynamic female relationship. Well, you know, when one thing, especially when you make movies, that one mm-hmm. thing can be more, far more better than the, the whole production as whole. I think the writing is far more better yes. than how it was made. Mm-hmm. That's right. true. Well, I think her sometimes work, it's the opposite. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes you can take a lousy script and make it wonderful. But like, I think it would match in when she did Juno, which is yeah. the filming of it matched the writing perfectly. And I think when she did Beautiful. Jennifer A, which is a good script, mm-hmm. a, a better than a good script, but the production and how it was made didn't really. Yeah. yeah, it's it's one of those ones where I'm like, I can see it becoming sort of like a cult classic, like Drop Dead Gorgeous is in like some circles. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, it was one where I was like, oh, I wish this could have, this could have been so amazing. Like, um, but I do really, I do really love that one. I, I, I love seeing female relationships because I am a woman. I love to write roles that I would want to play. And I think one of the things was criticism for the 80s slasher movies mm. and how they were exploited to women. But yes. it's actually more of a woman's relationship to a monster yeah rather than exploiting and I think that catches wrong I, I disagree with uh, Siskin Niebuhr how these are just trashing women but yeah. women love these movies and they're and they're usually the women in those movies are usually like really they have a lot of agency they're very sexual women which I is for some reason the reason that they're they're usually killed in slasher movies but I love seeing women like taking agency over their bodies and their relationships. So, yeah, I'm a fan too. Yeah, it's usually the, it's the the bad guy is the guy, mm-hmm. it's a grown up guy, and he's going to go after the teenage girls. girls. <laughs> and the teenage girls are the ones that are going to stop them. Yep. And you can apply a lot of psychological oh, stuff sure. to it. Sure. But yeah, it's very fascinating how, and I, I've always mentioned this before, I think more women appreciate horror movies than men do. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you had mentioned that to me before and I hadn't thought about it as much. And then now that I've kind of like let that sink in, it does, I, I am really realizing that I do think that's true. <laughs> right. I, I, and I don't, it's, not, it's not a scientific survey, but when right. I like go to a lot of the horror cons and I count, I, I see probably it's more 60, 40 girls. Yeah. And it's more dominant of a lot of more women are cosplaying mm. horror movies. Mm. And I think a lot of them, and like like Freddy is a very feminine character. Oh, yeah. Freddy Cougar is very feminine. Love it. And then Hellraiser Pinhead is very a feminine character. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of play, I think, of battling, you know, against masculinity that the girls catch on to. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It, and um, not just women, but also like members of like the LGBTQ community too. Right. They can yeah. catch what... What's really going on here? The, uh, what's, underneath the what's the bot- really Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two about what really are we? Not just surface level, but right. like all the other layers. Right. So, um, and I think it's fun, kind of hilarious because you know, and you talk about romance movies, and I've always, mm-hmm. I've always did. I did my my paper on film history. I've always used that. I believe horror movies as a substitute that we don't show teenagers naughty movies. Yeah. Right. If you if you had two girls, you know, a, a teenage kids going on a date, and you go, we're gonna go see Scream Three. You're like, that's mm-hmm. fine. 
wonderful. Right. We're going to go see Debbie Dallas. Wait a minute. No, no. Yeah. The minute you bring the boobs out. Like. Yeah. Which is like really messed up. We're going to watch people get hacked up and that's fine. It's good. Yeah. But But we can't have a healthy view of like the human body or sexuality. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, it is interesting. And that's, that's one of the things with, you know, with boobies and newbies, we review romance novels and it's amazing like how there are so many stigmas attached to the genre that I think also cross over into film and no and I I I have to admit I probably subscribe to a lot of the the cancellations of all sort of romantic there's no there's it's not filling fulfilling for me right right well and I'm sure you know uh like okay I'll just ask you like what are when you think about like romance novels what's what are the first things that like pop out to you there's going to be a an instance of like these wooden characters and it's all just for the act of catching themselves in love. Mm. Okay. And then, okay. And then probably cause I'm not watching the right ones. Yeah. Or reading. Or reading. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is interesting. Like, cause one of the things that I always ask guests who come on the show, cause the whole idea is to bring people onto the podcast who have not read a romance novel yeah. to read their very first one that. All right. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we will make this happen because I mean it, it really is interesting like the the ideas that people have about the genre like oh this is written porn. Oh, this is just it's not good literature. And all of it yeah. is false. I mean that's it's there almost are, like grocery store aisle. Exactly. You know what? Yeah. I feel like we've used that exact phrase on the show before and people have the same idea about romance movies that it's just oh this is this is chick flicks. This is for women. It's you know whatever. It's not real. She hates them at first, and so now she realizes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so easy. Like, and part of it is, I mean, it is formulaic for sure. But um, I happen to enjoy the formula because even as a writer who writes movies, there is a formula. There's a yeah. formula for every genre. So I don't know why romance gets isolated. No, I feel guilty because I here I am an advocate for comic <laughs> books. And then they get trashed too. Yeah. And they're like, no, there's a lot more deeper stuff than than what people subscribe to the surface here. I mean, there's a lot of, you could read into a Greek mythology that's played out in comic books. And then here I am projecting my own biases to romantic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it would be much harder to write a comic book than I think it would be to write a novel. Well, there's a lot of, you're right, because you, when you write dialogue, Five words or less on a yeah. panel, or you could take up the artwork. So many challenges. And there's, yeah, so you're restricted to dialogue, but you're mm. not going to get your wonderful phrase. You're not going to get your catchphrase in there because nobody want, no one wants to read a paragraph of right. stuff. You want to see the great artwork, which makes you have to draw the blow-up buildings, makes you yeah. have to draw the dynamics, of outrageous costumes, which is you exaggerated. Well, a lot of things are going to be taken away, which is a sensible story. Yeah. Ugh. So disappointing. Come on, yeah. come on, everybody. Pull your pull your head out of well, the gutter. Well, there's a lot of channel. I mean, people have broken the rules of comic books. Like sure. Alan Moore is putting a lot of thick dialogue in movies, and not well, his books have been turned into movies mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So there's a lot of people who go into. But if you're going to do a 20 page comic book, you can't do a lot of dialogue. You have right. To present a lot more visual. Yeah. And that's. I mean, that's. That just goes to show you like how concise the storytelling like has to be like for it to fit within those restrictions. Would you regard Gone with the Wind like a romance novel? It's it's because I read that. 
Sorry, halfway. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's not a book that I've read for sure. I've I've seen the movie and I think it's it's one of those ones where it's kind of like how I feel okay, this isn't gonna make sense, but like I promise okay. it there's a point. Um it's kind of like how I feel about Fifty Shades of Grey. And I never thought I'd be comparing Fifty Shades of Grey with Gone with the Wind. This is good. If you can look it, this is marvelous. <laughs> it's it's like um Fifty Shades of Grey brought in a major audience to read romance and to watch it that didn't exist before. So on the yeah. one hand, much like Twilight, I, I do give it credit for that. And I think that's kind of how I feel about Gone with the Wind, where I think if people read it and watched it, right. they think this is, oh, this is what a romance is. This is the accurate romance novel turned movie. But I don't think it accurately represents the genre. That's a good point because um, with Fifty Shades, yeah, you're finally opening up a demographic that probably wasn't being represented very well that wanted it to be. Sure. Because what happens is a lot of publishers and writers and editors take survey. What would you like to read? And then <laughs> the only thing you can is reference things that you've read before. Right. So you're not going to get like, well, what's well, something like this? Yeah. Or you're embarrassed to say it. Something like this. It's true. And I, I'd say like eight out of ten guests that I've had on Boobies and Newbies, when I ask them, have you ever read a romance novel before? They say no, unless you count Fifty Shades of Grey or Twilight, which is not it. Uh, yeah, and and I don't think of either of them as romance, and most people in the romance community also don't think of them as romance. But they're like the gateway drug that like <laughs> introduced romance to so many people. So I am thankful in a way, mm, but that's it. <laughs> it. It's almost like it gets you the door. But a lot yeah. of people are not going to go through it. They're like, oh, that's what right. it is. But want to invest deeper? Not really. Yeah. See you later. Like you've come this far. Let me show you what else we have behind the curtain. And they're like, no. <laughs> but that's what it gets upset because when you do those and they constantly they still do it movies always preserve it what kind of movie would you like what right. kind of, and then the people will reference what they've seen before mm -hmm. which is why they thought Star Wars would fail because nobody's never seen that movie before nobody can ever say I want to see this because they don't know it's out there they don't know it's out there it's a possibility and of course what happens when it's out there what next movie you want to see I want to see more. <laughs> more so you get all <laughs> It's true. You you can't know what you want to see if like you haven't seen something like it, you know, yeah. or because that's at least how we're taught to think is like you can't say I want to see trolls falling in love because, well, we we haven't seen that before. So, hmm. Right. Enter yeah. trolls movie. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's what it's about. I didn't see well, it. You can make any any movie that's a good yeah. movie you can describe it and it sounds boring as hell mm -hmm. well what's shining well it's a family that goes and stays up in a hotel during the winter takes over and they go and everybody goes crazy that sounds stupid so that sounds so boring yeah, I know. <laughs> well really that's it that's the book that's it yeah mm-hmm <laughs> that's all the, oh what what do they leave where else do they, no, no no they stay in this one one hotel, single location, whole time. Which is another thing is because I went to see Ford versus Ferrari. I'm mm. not a gearhead. I, I like cars. I draw them. My book is all about cool cars. I yeah. don't know how to work on a car. I hate it working on cars. It's just a necessity. Right? When you start or fails, there's only a place around and you don't have the money to send it to shop. You do it. Right. Yourself. So I got tired. I don't, I'm not a mechanic. 
but I love the movie. It made you invested. You cared about it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Is like, even though you, okay, that's not a subject I don't like. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're not going to like the movie. Yeah. And that I have to admit, that was kind of like something that I took into watching that movie too, was thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know anything about these people. Why, why would I care? But no, it was, it was a very good movie. Which is what I'm thinking. We're talking about the Nexus self. Great writing. Mm-hmm. That was good writing because he had enough of Matt Damon's character, Shelby, and his mm-hmm. point of view motivation. He had enough of Christian Bale doing his. And you see everybody's motivations and everybody's clearly defined. Mm-hmm. But it's good writing. Yeah, it's true. I, this is I, Screenwriters, y'all, we're the unsung, the unsung heroes of every movie. <laughs> so do you, when you're writing, and I always like to talk about writers, um, do you have a space? Do you write anywhere? Well, sit in the bathtub. Oh God, I do love the bathtub. Um, I'm not to write in, but I just I love a bathtub My in general. Phil Giuliano, he loves to write in the bathtub. He's like Dalton Trumbo. He must have like a really good bathtub. I feel like you have to have a good bathtub yeah. for that to work. Yeah, that's what okay. Dalton Trumbo. If you ever seen that movie, the screenplay writer, he would write in the bath. I know who he is, but I haven't seen the movie. But now I'm curious. Oh yeah, Brian Cranston <laughs> plays him perfect. Ooh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um. I okay well pre (laughs) (laughs) pre COVID nineteen I was a coffee shop writer I was always like I got my best writing done by going to the local coffee shop for you know and I could spend hours there and just sit there because I do like some noise I like some ambient noise I was never that person that like went to the library to study in college like that did not work for me I I the I have to agree with the library. It's not a good location. Mm. I love that it's established, but I'm just not going to sit there and yeah. absorb anything. That I love going to the library for books. Yeah, but... I love the adventure of going, <laughs> but I'm not going to use it as a base yeah. for your experience. Yeah, so um, I have to say that has been a major hiccup as far as the whole quarantine thing goes, it, just because I I did a lot of my work from home already, and it was the coffee shop that was kind of like, my escape to go to to get my more creative personal work done and I've lost that so I am I we are at the point where now occasionally I will go to like the patio of like this one coffee shop that I've become very good friends with here in St. Paul yeah Um, which is not hard to do yeah yeah, it's it's true I just I love it I that's that's my thing I love checking out coffee shops and um, but other than that, I do do a lot of thinking in the shower. Like, I think about a lot of stuff when I'm in the shower. Isn't that I, bizarre? Because you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a lot of people that do it. Oh, okay. I thought you meant I wasn't alone in the as, shower. As an and I was like, I was like, I love your confidence in me, but nine times out of ten, I am alone in the shower. <laughs> there is like that no, one I, no, out of ten. <laughs> No, really, really, no. <laughs> I was no, like, what do you know? Like, no, a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do it too. You go in the shower because I would get fumbled on like, oh, what yeah. And you go in the shower like, yeah, I think that you can. Yeah. Shower, showers are like my, <laughs> oh, we just made showers so dirty. Showers are like my safe space. Like showers, if I feel Oh, you're going to like, look psycho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I ever feel like sick, I like take a shower. If I can't sleep, I take a shower. If I 
I'm like thinking about something and like my brain is just in overdrive. I take a shower and generally by the time I get out, I just both physically, mentally and emotionally feel cleansed. <laughs> so I do. You see that in a lot of horror movies. They always get mm-hmm. the baptism. I think if we talk yeah. about it, the baptism either a blood or water. Yeah. And it's always like in a lake, <laughs> they get their baptism or they get their blood on them and it makes them, all right, look out, they're hell to pay. Right. Which is a great turn in the one of the best horror movies. The, the oh, Descent. yeah. The Descent was the fabulous movie. Oh, God, I love that movie. Then, Talk about awesome, like, female empowerment, too. Yes. Like, oh. Yes. So good. And then you can see when she gets her baptism, like, mm-hmm. okay, she knows she's not going to make it out alive, but she's going to take some people with them. Yeah, she's going to go out fighting. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that. Such a good movie. Oh, now I'm going to watch that. It's going to be a weird afternoon of watching The Descent and Drop Dead Gorgeous. That's funny because my <laughs> wife, the claustrophobia to get stuck, the claustrophobia of, she's like, turn it off. And yeah. we don't get to the monsters. I don't care. Really? Like, we're done. How funny. Which is, plays on your whole, what is what is terrifying for you? Because that's, oh, yeah. that's a horror level on three different accounts. Right. It's not just yeah. the monsters. It's communications and all that stuff. I almost would have liked I took a I took a film class where we talked about the descent and I almost would have liked it more if there weren't physical monsters. Like that's I mean to me psychological horror is like the most terrifying thing. Right, you almost can see him or her writing that and say Yeah. There has to be a payoff. I can't just have it just dumb spelunky get lost. There has oh, I would have loved that. I Like, that would have been, to me, even better. Like, the whole, just like, what does this do to you? When do you turn on someone? I would have, my my feelings, I would have, if I wrote a script about five women spelunking on no location, I would have put the psychological trip of them on themselves. Mm-hmm. Of them like okay I'm seeing things I'm not really there or you're exactly. turning on me and all that stuff of, yeah which happens like in the treasure of Sarah Madre which is they yeah. all turn on each other and then the horror starts yeah I love that yeah I love that I I mean I don't know what that says about me that I love seeing <laughs> people turn on each other more than I like seeing horror, a monster like, you, well yeah that's, I love the psychological horror fascinating are you insane or is everybody else insane yeah and I think I think it's I really do love like the whole idea of like what makes a monster or a murderer kind of thing. Like I love true crime. I love criminology. And it's it's just so much more fascinating to me to see like why somebody would like hurt somebody else and like the choice behind that as opposed to having something else like a monster or, um, you know, a paranormal being to blame it on. Like yeah. I want us to blame ourselves. <laughs> no, and, and that comes from a, a very good quote here from Stephen King, which is, Ooh. "Ghosts are real, demons are real, monsters are real. They live inside your brain, and sometimes they win." Yep, love it. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know I write romance <laughs> and comedy, would you? Like from this conversation. <laughs> Well, I think there's two components that share with rom-coms and horrors, which is you have to give up something of yourself to change. Yeah, if you that's want a great to point. win a horror, if you want to come out alive in a horror, you have to change. Mm-hmm. You cannot. You have to evolve, which is a rom-com, also or a romance. You have to change if you want a, a successful relationship. You have to leave something behind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So it is kind of similar. Of something has to evolve. Something has to change. And ironically, I feel like you'll find a lot of the same audience for the two of them. Like, I really do think most people, myself included, who love to read and watch 
serial killer slasher movies and horror by Stephen King also love to read ooey gooey cinnamon roll romances. Yeah. All right. I love it. Okay. I'll, I'll watch a rom-com with Cameron Diaz and then we'll watch Summer Party Massacre. Okay. Perfect day. All right, Kelly. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I hope you had a lot of fun. I had so much fun. I think you should come back. What do you think? I mean, I do live like around the corner. So I feel like we we don't have an excuse. We and I also, yeah, and I need to get you on Boobies and Newbies because I am I determined to get you reading romance. If, if you pick one, and you pick this one, Drop Dead Gorgeous. We yes. If you, if you pick a book from me, and, I, and this is another encouragement for me to do a podcast, which is break out of my shell of what I'm going to watch and what I'm going to read. And Perfect. Yeah, if you pick a book, I'll read it. I'll read it. Okay. It'll just take me a little bit longer to read. That's okay. We'll find one. There's one for everybody, and we are going to find it. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, Kelly. Um, since you are not, since you are familiar with the show, you understand that it's not over till the guest says it's over. It's over. It's over.